of faith. It's not really complicated. Faith is an act. <laughs> faith is acting like the Bible's true. So everybody stand up. The joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. So how are you going to act? Joy! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you know why you rejoice? Because you know that you're on the winning side. Now, how many of y'all ever been to a game and you see the way the winning side acts and then you see the way the side that's losing acts? Which one's quiet? The losers. In fact, <laughs> in fact, sometimes, they, you know, that's why we have cheerleaders. Because when, you know, it looks tough and it looks bad. Just know, think of us as cheerleaders, They'll just, okay? you know, they'll try to stir up a little sense of optimism in the crowd. But listen. Listen, you're on the winning team. You understand? Maybe you haven't checked the score lately, but I'm telling you, it's not... We win. It's not Jesus 96, the devil 95. I'm telling you, he was raised up far above all principality and power. You're on the winning team. And listen, if you're quiet, listen, if you're quiet, then what happens is you don't really get to partake of the victory if you're quiet so if you stay quiet now there's a time to be quiet now there's a time to be quiet but you don't want to be quiet when you're actually you know you're observing and being exposed to the game or the battle and you see you're on the winning team because it inspires not only you Bubba it inspires others too I mean it's contagious did you know joy is contagious yeah you know, you, you actually used to, I wish someone could feel my pain. Well, I'd like to, for you to feel my joy. Did you know that joy, you say, well, well, I just don't feel happy. Listen, it's the joy of the Lord. Oh. It's the joy of the Lord. Oh, no, there's in a other way, In other words, it's happy on God's standard of happy. Oh. It's the joy of the Lord. And it's yours just like just like the life of God is yours, just like the healing power of God is yours, just like the freedom of God is yours, it's the joy of the Lord. So now just, you know, just kind of act in faith if you have to, but just, you say, why should you do that? Because when you rejoice, what it does is it takes the devil out of the game. Because when you rejoice... It's one thing to say you have the victory, but honey, when you rejoice, he sees the victory. Yeah, yeah. Psalms 8-2 says that he put a song, he put praise in your mouth to stop the plan of the enemy. You literally take the devil out of the game. Did you know that? You know, you know sometimes happy, joyful people get on other people's nerves. Have you ever noticed that? Say, they why do we have nerves. to do this in church? Well, I'm because glad they get on your nerves. If you I hope do they it, do get on your nerves. If you don't do it in church, you'll never do it outside of church. Oh. 
This is this is family time. This is this is our day. This is our place. You know what happens in church? Hopefully, doesn't stay in church. Yeah, this ain't Vegas. You know what this happens in Vegas. Vegas stays in Vegas. You no, say, what? why is it so important? Because I'm telling you, joy will hog tie the devil quicker than anything you can do. You can be talking about. You can be confessing the word. You can be praying. But the Bible says, when they prayed and praised God. Oh. Oh, okay. The battle turned and all of a sudden things changed. So, so you know, just you say, I don't know how to praise God. Oh, sure you do. Something makes you happy. Joy is just when you can't contain that anymore. Something makes you so happy that you can't contain a smile. Something makes you, you know, I remember years ago I saw a, uh, a lady on, uh, what do they call that when they would do those, sell, they sell things, they found, you know, treasures and they go to Antiques Roadshow. Whatever happened to that show? And I like it. He liked that. Roadshow. Years ago, I saw this lady with Aunt, on Antiques Roadshow, and she came out and she had a vase, you know, that somewhere, I think she bought it at a YMCA auction for like $50, and she had this vase, and she was showing it, and the man was saying, you know, now, now, uh, do you see that signature on that vase at the bottom? She'd never really noticed it. You see those lines? You see the way they, they're, you know, the way they're cut and everything? That means this vase has special significance. And she said, well, you know, he said, where have you kept it? And he said, oh, just in the corner of my living room, you know, occasionally put flowers in it, but not really ever did anything much with it. You know, I just bought it at a YMCA sale or something like that. And he said, well, I just want you to know that this vase should bring anywhere, I believe he said from forty to $60,000. Now this lady, you know, actually she just looked like, you know, a librarian. I mean, she was just kind of, you know, praise the Lord, you know, kind of, you know, like some of y'all look when I say, come on, it's time. Praise the Lord, Jesus. I love you. You know, I love you, Lord. When she realized, when she realized what she had, some of you go, this is what she did. No kidding. No kidding. This is what she did. She got up. She ran to her husband was standing off camera. She thought she was off camera, but they followed her. She ran to her husband. She threw her arms around his neck. This is my husband, y'all. Don't be off. And she threw, and she threw her legs around his waist. And she shook him from side to side. And she went, woo! And she jumped down off her husband and ran back up. She was just like, <laughs> and I thought, you know, when she walked into that place, she had the same thing. She just didn't know she had it. But when she found out she had it, she could not contain her joy. I'm here to tell you, you're on the winning team. She, she had the same thing. The devil. She had Come the on, same you thing. It. You got it right now. She it's already yours. Now go ahead and just rejoice about it. Hallelujah. to do a little jig there. You might have to do a little jump there. You just, I do this every once in a while. I just get up that side of my bed and I just go like this. I go, body, just in case you were getting comfortable, we ain't going to do it. And I just go like this. (laughs) Body, you ain't talking to me. I'm talking to you. All right now. So, You can sit down, I guess, but I don't think we should stay down. But you can sit down. I have a scripture. This is what God says. Isaiah 43. I'm telling you, this is a night. 
This is a night of freedom. This is a night of flow of the Holy Ghost. In Isaiah 43, thus saith the Lord. That was pretty good, too. Yeah, it was pretty good, too. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 43. See, they were tight. God was wanting to let them know about the future. How many of y'all came here tonight hoping to hear something about your future? And he was wanting, you know, they, they, they'd had some things of significance happen in the past where the Red Sea had split and when Pharaoh had been trying to, to bring them back into bondage, God had already planned for them to come out. And he made a way through the Red Sea. He made a way where there was no way. The very thing that hindered them actually became their way out of the plan of the enemy. To God. I don't know really what is in front of you, but I do know when God's plan has got a hold of you, you cannot be held back. And so, so uh, you know, they had some things happen. The, the Red Sea had opened up. I mean, you know, they got water out of the rock. And I mean, they had a history of deliverance. But they'd been in captivity. And they didn't have, they kind of lost their vision for what could possibly happen tomorrow. And so he is kind of stirring him up here in Isaiah. And he says, thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army, the power, they shall shall lie down together they shall not rise they are extinct they are quenched as tow remember i let this is, remember not the former things neither consider the things of old now he's talking about former things that were quite significant where he came through the Red Sea, they came through the Red Sea, and they, you know, that the, they, they, he made a way and a path through mighty waters, and he, you know, the enemies that had come after them were just no longer, never. When he says they were extinct, he said, "I got rid of them, and they never came back again." That's pretty good, isn't it? But he said, "Quit thinking about that." He said, "Behold, I will." Do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Do you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said, I don't care if it's wilderness or if it's desert rivers. I don't care what it is, whether there's something already there or it looks like it's, there, there's an impossible situation. He said, I will do something new. Now watch what it says in the Message Bible. This is what God says. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. A river in the badlands. Woo, glory to God. Jesus said, he who is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. For out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I'm here to tell you it's been good, but it's getting better. I'm here to tell you Jesus saved the best for last. I'm here to tell you it's been good and we can talk about those things, but we don't live from those things. We live with the manna for today. There's an expectancy in my heart. God's going to yes. raise up some of yes. his best preachers yes. in this hour. Yes. Best givers. The best givers have yet to give. Woo. The best songs have give, yet to be give, sung. Give. I just want to know, is anybody in here wanting to, wanting to receive from that anointing? Hallelujah. It's the, listen, it's the spirit of Gideon. I'm telling you. You say, do you believe in miracles? Oh, yes, I do. 
You said, yeah, but I've been in this thing 20 years and I still haven't got healed. Well, you better watch what you say. I'm telling you, if you go to glory and all you can do is wiggle your toe, you better lay in that bed and wiggle that toe. Glory to God, I got the victory. Glory to God, I got the victory. <laughs> that Abraham gave glory to God. Some of you guys help me. Gave glory to God, you know. That just, you better, that's how you do it. You just, and you grew strong in faith by giving glory to God. I'm telling you, do whatever you can. Use your mouth. Faith, faith is just believing that God said he's already done what he said. He's true. It's just an act. It's just an act. That's people get so hung up on that. So hung up. Faith is an act. You have a spirit of faith about you. There'll be a spirit of action about you. Whether it's to prayer. You know, some people say, well, I just don't get this done. Well, are you a, are you a person of prayer? It's an act. You have to pray. A person with a spirit of giving. You know, some people say, boy, there sure was a great spirit of giving that night. Well, you know what? You ought to walk in a spirit of giving. There would not have been a spirit of giving there if nobody gave. <laughs> but you, you There's not a spirit of praise in a place where nobody praises. You walk in that. What did Lois say last night? Givers do not hang out with stingy people. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, someone says, well, I can't give that much. No, but you, give, you can give what you got. And then you can stretch and go beyond that. Faith is an act. I mean, we've stretched so many times. My goodness. And then when you do that, you know, it's like you're stretching in to, to help somebody else. But then all of a sudden you want to change because somebody's always helping you. And you want to change and start helping somebody else. You say, well, I really stretched. I gave $50 more than what I, you know. But the, you just went on a vacation that cost 10 Don't tell me you stretched. <laughs> it's not stretching, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now, if you only had, uh, you know, $100 and you gave $50, you stretched. I mean, Jonathan, and, 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 and when Jonathan was there and he saw David and his heart was struck with, with his heart, something happened when he saw him, said, he, said he, he wanted to give to him. His heart became one when he was standing there. David had, you know, beaten that giant, you know, and stuff, and said he gave him his sword and he, took off his coat he just stripped down just you know just, what else can I give you oh what else can I give you what else can I give you that's what your pastors are they're they're your they're your they're your leaders those are the ones that you know in your heart when you see them you go that's my pastor if I sit under them if I sit under them there'll be something different I'll be in covenant with them that'll be different I'll grow I'll learn some things Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Just makes you want to give, doesn't it? Woo! I love it. I, I love it. I love hanging around people that... Get the checkbook, sweetie. I was, I was talking with one of our partners about Paris last year. and He said, well, what do you need? I said, well, we're looking for about... Five people to give at least $20,000. He said, honey, pull out the checkbook. We're going to be your first one. Then when I went over to Paris and I told all those pastors that the Americans sent this, they all went, wow! 
You said the French? Oh, honey, they've been under us since 1989. They're not, they're not French like you think French. They're just like us. <laughs> so don't go over there and act real stuffy because I told them all Americans are like us. I told them all Americans are free. We love. We love to give. We love you. Will you call us? We'll try to help you. We'll pray for you. All, all of us Christian Americans, we just love people. We don't judge you. We just came to help you. We're laying down our life for you. That's why we're here. That's why we came. We came to help you. We just want to help you. You know, we just want to be a blessing. We want to bless you because God has blessed us. And we just want to be a blessing to you. We don't care if we stay at home with our families. We don't care, you know, if we stay at home in our nice home. Oh, no, we're willing to leave all that. And we're willing to get on another plane because we just want to be a blessing. Well, you just want our money so you can get more money. No, I want money so I can be a blessing. Woo! What is it? He'll give you double for your trouble. But it's a spirit, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a spirit, it's a spirit of giving. I tell you, when Mark and Trina came to Paris last year, I mean, we stretched, we stretched, we stretched as far as we could. He called me, he said, Cindy. I said, yeah, Mark. He said, God's really stretching me. I said, yeah, yeah, he is. He said, we're going to help you fulfill your dream because you helped someone else fulfill their dream. He said, I, he said, you're drained to help all these ministers over there. He said, we're going to help you fulfill your dream. I said, well, Mark, we plan on sending you some more money. He said, why would you do that? He's got a lot of money. We don't give because of what somebody has. You give because of what you have. I mean, Brother Hagen's personal life, I don't think he really wanted for anything, but yet we wanted to give. Why? Because we're given to the message. We're given to the work. We believe in it. What you believe in, you'll do. If you really believe in it. And so, I don't know why I'm doing this. Some of you people, you give more to a traveling or a TV evangelist than you do your old pastor. That's not right. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just tell me to sit down and shut up if you want me to. I mean, I mean, you know, if you like me, fine. If you don't, fine. I'm still going on <laughs> preaching. <laughs> I know one pastor, one guy, he came up and he was a builder in, in, the, in, the, in the church. And he came up and he said, Pastor, he was crying. And he said, I, said, I can't stand it. And the, and the pastor said, well, what is it? He said, I drive a better car than you do. And I can't stand it. He said, I gotta give you my car. He said, You're the pastor. He said, I, I don't wanna drive something better than your car. He said, You're my pastor. It's good preaching, isn't it? Woo! Glory! And then you become such a giver that people like us float through and you go, well, that ain't nothing. We can write them a check because we got plenty. 
someone, one pastor said, he said, I didn't want to have anybody come in my church that was just a taker. And I thought, well, who are you having in your church? We've already, you know, that's what we come for, to build, to bless, to, to build you up, to give you the word, give you joy. Give, you know, the pastor will have different gifts to come in, and, 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 and all the gifts will be seen, you know, just to help you, to bless you. I thought, I wonder who he's had. Who wouldn't want to be a blessing? I must, maybe I'm naive. But it's all about helping the local church. What did I tell you last night? Shekinah Glory wants to strengthen local churches and have them in every community. You can sit down. Every community, every town, every village, every state, every country. Strong local churches. That's our heart. That's all we care about. Of course, salvations, that's automatic because I'm Southern Baptist. Every good Southern Baptist is a soul winner. <laughs> good Southern Baptist. <laughs> uh, oh, glory to God. We're in covenant. You should be in covenant with your pastors. I'm in covenant with Lois and Ray. In fact, years ago, I told him, you know, Lois and I, we decided we'll go where you go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Lois, or Lois, and, uh, Lois and I, because, you know, we met in a nightclub many, many years ago. I said, you know, well, I, 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 don't, don't, I don't ever want to, for you to make me leave. Well, I'll, 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 I'll bury where you're buried. I'll die when you die. I'll, 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 my people, your people are my people. I'm going with you. I'm hooked up. How many people have covenant in their mind and their thinking? Remember Brother Hagin went to when he was about 52 or 50, 54, went to went to Tulsa. Remember the Lord showed him that thing about the circle? And he said, he said, I'm getting ready to get you. He said, once you step out of faith, you know, that's why I like that song, I walk by faith. I walk by faith. The circle, he, he had a vision and he said he saw him in a circle. He says, but now you're getting ready to go walk into this circle. And he said when he went to Tulsa, I guess, 50-something-something, something, he only had like five books. By the time he was 80, he had 80 million books in circulation. Some people, so you said, well, well, you know, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting ready to get in the circle, man. I, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. 30 years? Big whopping deal. 40, 40 years, 50 years. Sometimes you move too quick, but when you're getting ready to turn 60, you're getting ready to walk in that big circle. So you're, you're thinking, you're thinking, uh, I am 54. I'm tired of doing this. I'm, getting, I'm walking in my own circle. You might be 14 saying that. You might be 13 saying it. You might be 12 saying, I've done all I can do. Are you kidding Corey Timboom didn't start her ministry till in later 50s. She was known all over the world. Victor. Jesus is Victor. She was known for her love message. You, if you don't know who Corey Timboom was, her all of her family was killed by the Nazis in the, and in the concentration camp. All of them. All of them. She watched her sister die. And she was known as saying, Jesus is Victor. <laughs> 
These people, they've, they've been covenant partners with us for years. You know, I, and sometimes, you know, I wonder, do you understand covenant? Some people don't understand it because they go to a wonderful church now and they have a wonderful pastor. And, but you know what? They still stay hooked up with us. You know, some people don't. Why? Because they think they got something better over here when, you, when, when, when you've forgotten what you got over here. You may not have been ready for over here had you not gotten what you got over here. You said, why are you talking like this? Because I think it's serious. I think it's real serious in the church. Some people, some people, you know, some people like, uh, like we, have, we have partnered with Raymond. Because that's where we got, you can have what you say. You know, the message of faith. Now, there are other people that we go visit. We go into Mark. You know, we've, of course, we've been here for 10,000 years. And, and um, uh, it's a little exaggeration. But and, um, let's see, who else? Uh, uh, there's a couple of people that, you know, we, that, that, that we've, we hook up with. But, but we haven't not, not given to Rhema because that's where we got, you can have what you say. <laughs> now that would be silly. The message of because we want to support the message, the same message that got us going. We want to support. I'm not supporting Pastor Hagen as much as I love him. And if you get this tape, Pastor Hagen, you know I love you. But I'm supporting the message. faithful you know even Jonathan and David David took care he even not listen he didn't love just David and Jonathan didn't love each other David loved his kids and took care of I better not say that word because I might get in trouble whatever that starts with an M thank you brought him in sat at his own table he was a covenant we're in blood covenant with Christ which put us in covenant with God he said he said oh, in the one scripture says I'm in covenant for a thousand generations to generation to generation to generation covenant uh, my pastor uh, he called the other day Bob Yandy and we've been there so we, our first pastors were Pat and Buddy Harrison and that's where we learned, you know, the move of the spirit and, and some different weird things that, you know, we learned. We go, wow, this is cool. You know, we, you know, wow, we love this. You know. I mean, they do all kinds of stuff there. We were like, I mean, we didn't hesitate. We just jumped right in <laughs> what, they, what they were doing. You know, we thought, this is great. <laughs> it's different from the Baptist church. And so. Um, Pat Harrison's Kenneth Hagin's daughter and Buddy is his son. And so, uh, but then but then we got a call from, from uh, Bob Yandy and he said, uh, would you come over and help me? He said, I've just been handed Grace Fellowship. At that time, it's now called Grace Church. He said, uh, the, the, the church voted for me. And he said, I'm now the pastor. He said, but I need some help with music. And he said, I like what you guys do. He said, would you come help me? And I said, well, let me talk to my pastor first. I know this is, a, this is like a weird idea, isn't it? So I had an appointment with Buddy. I went in. I said, Buddy, I said, Pastor, I said, um, you know that uh, Lois and Rand, I love you. You're our pastor. We'll do whatever you say uh, because we have submitted ourselves under your leadership. It's called submission. 
Ooh, that's a dirty word. And so we've submitted ourselves under your leadership. Uh, Bob has called us. He said he needed some help. He has just received Grace Church. But we do not want to leave. If you have any kind of a check in your spirit, we want to know how you feel about it. I was sitting, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was sitting on the other side of the table. And he didn't say much. He just kind of looked at me. And he, Is this helping anybody tonight? You teenagers, I want you to learn this before you grow old and, you know, and you There's forget all about what it means. You understand how you leave something, will you'll carry with you to the next place. And so, so you want to leave in a way so that you don't lose momentum and so, so yeah you carry it with you. so you'll go into third gear yeah. third gear it's yeah, all right fourth gear out of sight okay anyway nobody knows that except if you're 60 probably okay huh anybody you knew it yes yeah yeah don't be too proud of it okay i know what you were listening to when you were in school and so he looked down and he looked up at me he was quiet he said you know cindy he said Bob Yandian is a friend, and he's a blessing. And he said, if he needs help, he said, you know, I understand. I hate to lose you. But if he needs you, he said, I have to let you go. He said, this is the Lord. Go help him build that church. I said, okay. And I was crying. Man, they put a lot into us. They taught us about the gifts of the Spirit. Pat said, the gifts of the Spirit are motivated by love. If you don't operate in love, you won't function correctly in the gifts of the Spirit. Whether we learned a lot from them. Because there were no, hardly any churches in Tulsa, so everybody would everybody show up at their church and just faith, we're faith, we're the faith churches, so we'd all just go to his church. I mean, a whole bunch of us would go there, and we were all just, wow! We'd act like idiots just about. And he had to calm us down a little bit, you know. And he'd say, that's all right. Just, <laughs> I mean, I'd say with B.B. Hankins, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And he'd just smile and go, I think, he's just letting me do this till I'm learning. Pastors do that to you a lot, too. They're letting you, you're letting them learn on you. <laughs> oh, well, praise the Lord. So... I got the pastors back, okay. I got the pastors because I didn't want, you know, do you think I was just all on their side, okay? I know you've had to put up with some things. Oh, hallelujah. But you endured. <laughs> but that's what happened. So I went, and we were blessing, and we stayed at Bob Yandian's church for 28 years. We're still there. Somebody, somebody was well-meaning, and they said, don't you think you should be going, you know, to another church so you can really find out what the move of God is and where you're supposed to be? And I said, well, I said, you know, I said, he's not only my pastor, but he's one of my best friends. He's one of my best friends. I can call him at 3 in the morning. I've done it. And said, send me some money. We're stuck somewhere in Mississippi. With a car wreck, and we're sitting with a drunk guy in a Barney Fife jailhouse. Help us. You know what he did? He laughed. <laughs> he said, Money's on the way. <laughs> Why? Because we're in covenant. We're in covenant. I've had to go to him for help, serious help. 
Peter looked at me. He said, I'll back you up. But I like your heart. I'm your pastor. We're in covenant. I know you. I know you, who you are. You know, every person who went on any missionary journey, every person in the book of Acts who had any part in building the church of Jesus Christ and taking the gospel to the world, every single person was found in a church. With, they were involved with the church and they were known of the brethren. None of them were novices. They were all known by the church. I don't know about you guys. Timothy, Titus, Jesus. Barnabas. I think this is Saul great. became Paul in a church. We're in covenant. Thank you for staying in covenant with us. I heard somebody tell a story. You helped us go to many nations, but you didn't know at the same time we were praying for you to get a strong place where you could grow. This many years ago. Said, Lord, they need a strong place to grow. Little did we know <laughs> what was getting ready to come down the pike. I found this out in many years of living. If two don't want to do it, you'll have one that'll stay and one that'll go. And there's nothing. You wish you could, but you just walk in love and go, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God, praise God, I love you, Jesus. And then you go and you stand up in your bedroom and you go, <laughs> tears come down your cheeks, <laughs> oh my God. My God can do anything, anything, anything. And then you're just, ah, and my God can do anything. He made the earth in all its fullness and all that life can bring. My God can do anything. Then you walk into a church service and they start singing and you go, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. And you don't back down on your praise. You double up on it. Because you know you're standing for something. Oh, I'm a friend of God. And then they start singing about Jesus as the healer. And you've got sickness and pain in your body. And you're going, oh, you're my healer, Lord. Anybody take a run? I believe I will. I'm healed. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you're believing for budgets. And you're believing for finances. And, oh, you're going, oh, it's time to take the offering. And you're the first one that's going, whoop, 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 whoop. And the pastor's teaching And he's teaching on it Or she's teaching on whoever it is And they're teaching And they're teaching And they're teaching And finally you're sitting there And you've got it written out And you just want to say Okay, shut up, I'm ready to give You know why you need teaching? Because it's not all up to God What happens in your life It's up to you and you, and you have this, and you have and you that, have to be taught, and you stretch so you know. more, and you stretch more. And then by the time you turn around and you go look at your life, you go, how did I get that house? How did I go to that nation? How did I go to that other nation? How did I go to that other nation? How did I go to that nation? How did I, how did I buy somebody's groceries at Walmart? How did I pick up somebody's tab when they were eating and walked over and their tab was picked up because you just felt they had to do it? How did you do all that stuff? Oh, 
and you go I'm better off than I thought I think I'll stretch a little more (laughs) you say what's got into you the creator of the universe (laughs) go ahead go ahead on no I want you to teach if you listen if you were not here last night what would you say get the CD if it cost $100, get it. Last night we talked about finishing the work of God. Did you know it's more important that you finish than it is that you start? Did you know that finishing is more important than starting? A lot of people only want to start things, but really God's looking for people who will finish things. We talked about last night how that uh, when Jesus said in John chapter... I, I'm just going to read a couple things from that because I just feel impressed too. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. He didn't just want to do the will of God and do the work of God, but He wanted to finish His work. I hear that word finish really strong. Uh, uh, the word finish uh, literally uh, is... If you leave that word out, you'll never really accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. And like we said last night, Satan will oppose the work of God, finishing the work of God in your life more than he will the will of God. He will oppose the work of God in your life. The work of God is up to you. That's up to you. What you decide to do with what God has done for you. That's what you choose. That, That has to do with your character. That has to do with the decisions you make every day. And the decisions that you make every day make you who you are. And the people that you're around influence the things you think. And the things that you think influence the person that you are. And so, you know, you really have to decide. It's not because you don't love them, but you have to decide if this is really the person that you can hook up with to finish the work of God. Oh, yeah. You understand? To finish the work of God. But then Jesus said, if you weren't here last night, I'm not going to do everything, so you'll have to get the the tape. But uh, uh, like we said last night, your character is what determines whether you finish the work of God. It's not something that's set in stone. It's not like cement, well mixed and well set. It's not predetermined by who your parents are, by what happened to you in life, by where you've come from. It's, it's, It's something that you determine by what you do with what God has done for you. It has nothing to do with your, your weaknesses, your, your, uh, the, the, uh, the knowledge you have of the word of God, whatever gift God's given you, the anointing of God on your life. It has nothing to do with any of that. What it has to do with is what you choose to do with what God has given you. And so when Jesus was in the garden, he said in John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. How did he do that? I have finished the work which you have given me to do. What happens when you finish the work that God has given you to do? The glory of God remains on this earth. In other words, you don't, something doesn't stop when you finish. It just keeps rolling on, brother. And that's how you get momentum going. What we talked about last night, you know, that's how you get something moving in your life that cannot be stopped. I mean, you can't make a U-turn going 500 miles an hour. You get something moving in your life that cannot be stopped. It doesn't mean adversity doesn't come, but it means that you don't leave when it does. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Ah, somebody shout me down. I'm preaching good. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, the day of adversity doesn't make you who you are. It shows who you are. It doesn't make you who you are. Trouble does not produce faith. It proves faith. Trouble proves your faith. You don't want to get faith in the day of trouble. You want to have faith for the day of trouble. Because trouble won't cause you to have faith. Listen, if trouble caused you to have faith, we would have some pretty spiritual people filling up the prisons. I mean, if trouble caused you to have faith, the people in jail would be preaching to you. You know what I'm saying? Trouble does not produce faith. But what trouble does is when faith is, when trouble meets with faith, faith shines. I like to say faith works best when it's put to the test. And you can't have faith. And not do something with the, the promise of God. You have to, uh, all the rewards in heaven are for the, uh, the work of God, not the will of God. Jesus said in John 17, I have finished the work which you've given me to do. Uh, John 14 verse 12, he said, I verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. The what? The works. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. God's looking for some momentum. And what Jesus has done will cause something to increase, not decrease. He said, I finished the works. He said, I, he said greater works than these shall you do. He said, it's not going to decrease. It's going to increase. Hallelujah. And listen, I mentioned last night, if you don't, if you're not in the habit of bringing your Bible, you just need to get in the habit. I know it's good. You know, you have the the Bible, the verses up there, but listen, you need to see it for yourself. In Thessalonica, they said they were, they were, you know, he said they, they were, they were better than all the others because they searched the scripture daily to see what was in there. Listen, you don't want to become like people. That's, the, that's when the church went into the, the deadness. And, you know, the, the, when, when people just, whatever was said, they just, you know, they just said, okay. And they did not prove the word of God for themselves. And they didn't have uh, that, that word of God for themselves. They just let the people on the platform tell them anything. You know, they want that, whatever they said. And they got into the dark ages because of it. You understand? You, you know, you, you're going to be in the dark if you don't have the light of God's word in your life. I mean, where you know, you know, my life changed. I'm telling you, when I became uh, uh, aware of the word of God and I began to act on the word of God, I became the person God wanted me to be. I may not, you know, I know I tell people, you may not think I'm all that, but you should have seen where I started. I'm not, you may not be impressed, but I'm telling you, not only is my mama impressed, I'm impressed. I mean, you just didn't see where I came from. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't even know where they came from. It's like that guy in that movie, this old Western I was watching. It was so funny. And, you know, it was this big storm, and he had been a prisoner, and he'd gotten floated away in this canoe, and somebody, you know, he found somebody else. And, and you know, and, and so they, they, they kind of came out of the storm, this person asked, and they said, well, where, where are we? He said, I can't tell you where we are because I don't even know where I came from. (laughs) I don't even know where I've been. Well, I know where I've been. And I can tell you where I'm at now. And I can tell you, you may not be able to live your life looking back, but you can understand some things looking back. 
But you live your life looking forward. And there's a, a God's just really, I, I really feel it's a spirit of Gideon, you know. You know what that, that spirit, you know where it says in Hebrews 11 that Gideon, he was uh, made strong by faith. He didn't start out strong. He was made strong. Out of weakness, he was made strong. He said, I can't even, I don't have enough time to tell you about all these guys. But he said, let me tell you, people like Gideon, by faith, they were made strong. You know, I believe God's making some people tonight. You know, kind of taking information. Sometimes when you take information and some of the things, you know, maybe Cindy said, you think, well, you know, I didn't come here to hear that. Well, you know, lots of times you don't realize what you need to hear. And then as you hear it and you begin to rearrange your priorities, what happens is God's working in you so that his power can produce a finished work in you. Glory to God. Oh, praise the Lord. And so he said, uh, uh, he, he said in Acts 13, verse 2, and the church in Antioch, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. In other words, it was time for them to step up to the plate and actually rearrange their schedule and rearrange their life to actually do something different with their life. Glory to God. And Barnabas and Saul in a church with the anointing of God, the calling of God, which is on the church. You understand the calling of God is on the church. There are not five callings. There's one calling. It's on the church. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It doesn't say gifts and callings. It says gifts and calling. The calling of God is on the church. And when you yield to the calling of God that is on the church, the gifts of God are given to fulfill the call. And then it enables you as an individual to do the work that God has called you to. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. So you got to hook up, you know. You got to hook up. You got to stay hooked up. Because I'm telling you, when you get hooked up, you're not just hooking up with something that's just, a, you know, some idea like a rotary club. You're hooking up with a divinely appointed and anointed plan from heaven. And you will have a time when you separate yourself to the work of God in your life. And when you do that, you say, well, well, you know, what kind of uh, people does God use? I'll tell you what kind of people he uses. Willing. Willing people. You don't have to be qualified. He'll qualify you. But you have to be willing. You have to say yes from your heart. And when you say yes from your heart, something begins to move inside of you and God will rearrange your priorities and make you what you need to be. In fact, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it like this. Uh, let me read this one first. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Sorry, I don't want to mess up it. I got something I just want to, you know, I just want to. 
I just want to, the strength of the work of God in your life. When you do what God wants you to do, you become what he wants you to be. And when you do it and you, 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 uh, you, you don't quit in the day of adversity, you're not weaker because of it. You're stronger. Oh, glory to God. And so he says in uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ and God, even our Father, which have loved us and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word. And work. Woo, glory to God. Hot dog God's got a hold of you. And he won't let go of you. And he said you make sure you hold on to that which God has placed in you. And then Ephesians 2.10 says this. Oh, I love this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God has beforehand, or how the King James says it, hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, he said, you're God's, you're the creation of God. You're God's workmanship. I think one translation, let me see my, my, my notebook here. One translation says, for we are God's own handiwork. We used to sing a song, uh, you know, you wonder what kind, of, what kind of words, what kind of truth has caused us to, to, to still be here. After 30 years, and not just be here, but be happy. You want to know? It's words like this, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. That doesn't make me feel confined like, you know, uh, uh, God's done something without my permission. That actually makes me feel secure. Because God's done something before I even knew I needed him to do it. You're God's workmanship. In other words, God's own handiwork, the Amplified says. God's work of art created. I like to say you can live with your mess or you can be God's masterpiece. It just depends on who's holding the crayon. Hallelujah. For we are his handiwork. We are God's work of art. He art. He made us all over new, born again in Christ, created in Christ Jesus. Now you're not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works. And finishing the work of God in your life is the only way your faith really counts in this life. Finishing the work of God. Is the only way it counts. And when you do that, when you finish the work of God, there is a residual effect. I mean, there's, you know, a seed that's sown into the ground. It brings forth, uh, it begins to, to multiply. And you cannot count. The, the reason that Abraham is the father of faith is not that he believed God for one day, but he died believing God. Glory to God. You understand? It's not because he believed God one day. It's because he not only believed God that day, but he believed God the next day. He believed God the next day, and he kept believing God. And what happened was he became the father of faith. Uh, and, and what it, now his testimony, you think he had some, uh, uh, you think he had some uh, failures in his life? He had some failures in his life. 
And you might read about his failures, but his failures did not make him who he was. He did not define his life by his failures. He defined his life by his faith in God. And because he never let go of faith, he finished what God had called him to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Uh, Jesus said... uh, In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and I'm saying this to you tonight, church. What time is it? That's what I'm saying to you. Matthew 4, 18. The opportunity of a lifetime is before these people that he's talking to. And you know, he didn't say a whole lot. He just said a few words. But if you respond appropriately to the voice of Jesus Christ in your life, listen, that's what makes a turning point. Listen. When you respond appropriately to what Jesus is saying in your life, that's what makes a turning point. Things don't change because the calendar changes. All you do is get one year older. They only change when you change. And you respond to what God is saying in your life. And Jesus, as he walked on this earth, And it says he walked by the Sea of Galilee and he saw some guys fishing and he looked at them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think the Amplified Bible says, let me be your guide. Literally, Jesus said, let me, let me redefine who you are. Let me change your identity. He said, follow me. Actually, as I was reading, uh, I like this little New Testament words, William Barclay, uh, Rick Renner uh, uh, told me about this book. And he said, you know, it's just excellent for people who like to, to read uh, and understand what the word's meaning. Uh, in the word for follow, when he said, follow me, it's a word that's used in the Christian's life in, a, the, as a, in the position of a soldier who must obey his leader's commands. It's in the Christian's life, it's used as in the position of a slave who must obey as soon as his master speaks. The Christian must ask for the advice and the ruling of Jesus Christ and must have the humility to follow it, whatever it may be. The Christian is the man who, it's used of the disciples who left their various trades and occupations and followed Jesus. I like that. In other words, they changed the definition of their life. Woo, glory to God. I don't know about you, but I don't know who you think you are. But I do know that if you don't know who God says you are, you don't know who you are. I don't know who's floating your boat, mama, but I do know that the only person that can properly give you the understanding of your life is Jesus Christ. As he said this to Jesus, not only were these the words that were spoken to Peter when he first met Jesus, not only are these the words that he heard in his first encounter with the very Lord of glory, but as he walked through his life, I want you to see how that no matter what happened in Peter's life, when he came, you know, he, he, before Jesus went to the cross, he told Peter, he said, you, he said, Peter, he said, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. But I love what Jesus said to him. Because he said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. 
And after you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Don't you think it's interesting that when Jesus prayed for Peter, he prayed that his faith would not fail. You know what that tells me? That when uh, he said, you know, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. When Satan comes to attack, he's after your faith. Because you know why? You can't finish without faith. Faith is your future. And, and when Jesus said, uh, 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 that, uh, he said that, you would, uh, that your faith would not fail. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Jesus literally told Peter, there's coming a turnaround day in your life, Peter. And when it comes, don't forget about others. Don't let the adversity of this day cause you to back off of what I have placed you on this earth to do. Don't let the devil redefine your life. Don't sit back because you made a mistake. Don't sit back and get on the back row and just forget it. I'm not giving no more. I'm not shouting no more. I'm not going. I'm not doing nothing anymore. I love you, Jesus, but I'm not doing nothing. He said, don't let your mistake rob you of your future. He said, don't stop at your mistake. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. And you know what Peter said? Peter said, oh, Lord, if everybody denies you, I will not deny you. And Jesus said, well, before the night, you know, the night's over, the cock throws, crows three times, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, if everybody denies you, I will not deny you. Well, y'all know the story. Not only does it say that Peter denied Jesus three times, but it says that he saw his face after he denied him and he went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? Because he missed his opportunity. But when Jesus, when Jesus uh, uh, was speaking to them in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, I find it so interesting because Jesus says to them, I believe it's Mark, yes. It says, after Jesus arose from the dead, the angels told the women to tell the disciples, and I've got these words circled in my Bible, and tell Peter that Jesus wants to meet them in Galilee. You say, tell the disciples and tell Peter. Why did he have to specifically say Peter's name? I think because Peter thought that what he had done when he denied Jesus, that Jesus just cut him off. But Jesus said, make sure you tell Peter, I'm looking for him. I have an appointment with him and I have not canceled my appointment. Glory to God. I mean, I don't know what it takes for you to feel significant, but hearing the words from Jesus that actually I will never leave you or forsake you. You can count on me, Peter. The last time Jesus saw Peter's face, he was denying him. And Jesus said, tell him, I got an appointment with him. Tell Peter. And when Peter met with Jesus, it says on his third meeting in John chapter 21, Jesus, Peter had gone back to fishing. I don't know what was going on in Peter's life, but I know that what God was working in Peter was greater than what the enemy was working in Peter. And I know that when Jesus looked at Peter, he didn't just see a person who was, I'm telling you, you read through, Peter was the most unstable. He would be angry. He cussed out the nurse of the, the night when he denied Peter. He was not 
I mean, the night he denied Peter, well, he might have done that too. The night he denied Jesus, he was not a sterling example of a church leader. Do you understand me? But Jesus saw him as a church leader. And Jesus met with him. And he said, actually, he called with him from the, from the, uh, uh, the shore. And he said, have y'all got anything? And Peter said, no. Like I said last night, we do not have one story of Peter having a f- successful fishing trip without Jesus' help. I think it's time to have an identity change. So he calls him. And after three times of saying, Peter, do you love me? You know what the words were that he spoke to him? When he said, Peter, do you love me? In John chapter 21, the last thing he said to him. In, in John chapter 21, I'm doing this for the guy with the, the thing, you know. He said to him. Uh, you mean the guy with the scripture thing? Yeah. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? In verse 19. Then he spoke, signifying what, what death he would die, glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The unchanging plan of God. And Peter heard the words of Jesus. And then Peter began to rise up. Rise up where he had fallen. You say, how do you know that? Because on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, when they were all assembled together in one place, there was a man there named Peter. And although he had many reasons to hide his face, when it was time for him to get up on that day, he did not say one word about his failure. He said not one word about his denial. He got up and with the spirit of Pentecost, he began to preach a message. And he said, whosoever shall... You know, when he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You think he was preaching from personal experience? I think he got up and he said, I just want you to know it doesn't matter who you are. If you'll follow Jesus, you will be saved. And the Pentecostal principle began to become an effect in Peter's life. And where he had denied him three three times a few days earlier, he was now leading a service with over 3,000 becoming born again. Listen to me, I'm telling you, you can be a finisher. God's working in you. You are his workmanship. He has made you who you are. And if you'll hook up with him, and if you'll stay hooked up, I'll guarantee you, I don't know what the devil's touched in your life, but I know with the touch of power from God, you can be a thousand times more than you could any other way. And I'm telling you, strength where there was weakness, a boldness where there was timidity, life where there was death, love where there was hate, the power of God comes upon your life and brings increase. And he doesn't just increase you, honey. It helps you increase someone else. I believe that's a place. This is a place of increase. I'm glad I believe it, but I'm leaving tomorrow. What do you believe? I said, this is a place of increase. Right here, right now, you, you, you wearing your clothes. Are you the 
one that God has anointed for increase in this hour? Are you the one who will do greater works? Are you the one who has the greater power? Are you the one? Let me know. Are you the one? Hallelujah. Well, I believe you're going to have to get up where you felt like getting, you know, standing, uh, standing down. You're going to have to rise up because the hour has come. The power of God is here. We're not waiting for it to come, honey. He has come. The power of God is on you. Greater, greater work shall you do. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.